0: what's up y'all welcome to the get geek podcast what is going on we have a good conversation for y'all this week and we're gonna jump right into introductions we're a little short short short-handed this week but i'm here it's jose and this is wolfie and uh the cross general crew Walt and aj and eli are unfortunately unable to join us this week for uh a very fun conversation we're gonna have um but first the very very quick disclaimers y'all know we're recording remotely we don't even have to really talk about that sound issues and artifacts let us know but the best way and the most important way that you can support your favorite podcast crew the get geek podcast is to like rate share and subscribe to the podcast check out all our social media and follow all our social media at get geek podcast on instagram comment on our social media And let us know what you think about the episodes, about the content, about the geek stuff that's out there, about everything geek, all things geek. Uh, So, yeah, what's going on, Wolfie? How you doing, man? I'm all right, like
1: eating a little bit of mango right now, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I am recovering from a cold, verified cold, since I tested three times this week for COVID and all came back negative. So yeah, I guess mm-hmm. I just got, like, a summer cold that seems to be going around. But I'm all better now, I feel like. But other yeah, than that, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm geeking out over, you know, uh, what was it? It was a, oh, you know, friend of the podcast who just dropped. He just shipped uh, Madden 22, John R. Diaz from Electronic Arts. You know, he's uh, he's got his, his own thing going with uh, podcast out of play area. And he's been a guest on this mm-hmm. uh, podcast before. Um, and he just shipped another title, first title that he shipped since his uh, involvement in Grand Theft Auto Five. So,
0: congratulations, dude! Yeah, man, he he was working on Madden Twenty Two. That's pretty awesome, Madden NFL Twenty Two. Which I think there's a there's a free trial or something like that on EA Game Pass or something along no, those lines. So, yeah, but
1: but John's gonna have his hand in a lot of titles now that he's a. Uh, in, in like kind of like the higher-end area of the game industry, and he's that Electronic Arts who has a massive amount of properties coming out, including some Star Wars stuff that I would love to check out when it does come out.
0: So. Exactly. Battlefield, one of my favorite properties, is coming out soon as well. But go check out Madden, everybody. Check out some of John R. Diaz's work. Check out the Out of Play Area podcast. Check, in, check out Madden NFL 22 and his handiwork at EA because – if anybody can improve Madden, I'm sure it's our boy John R. Diaz. <laughs> Hook it up, and make it better, and improve Madden more and more each year. Now that he's involved, so, someone someone
1: yeah, seems positively cynical about Madden.
0: <laughs> I am I am a little positively cynical about Madden. You know what? It's it's nothing against John. It's just the the fact that there isn't any competition in that sport in in terms of of gaming, in terms of video gaming for. Like the official NFL yeah. license, I've I've never been a fan of. Yeah, that, but like so. you know they,
1: that you have to blame on the NFL, you know, not the game company. NFL gave out the exclusive license,
0: so that's also true. Yeah. That's also true. The game company no. has has only to say yes to that. You can't really say yeah. no to that kind of. I was business. gonna say no to that. I'd be like, Nah, oh,
1: I don't man. want the exclusive deal. Give it to someone else.
0: NFL, let somebody else make an NFL game. That's all I'm saying competition yeah let other people play in the sandbox yeah but check out Madden nfl 22 because it's the only option right now and it's a fun game and john worked on it all right all right all right all right so let's jump into the convos for today we're going to have a couple of kind of open-ended convos uh the first one being not really a a versus conversation but more what it's going to be like when we're talking about Different conflicts in terms of streaming services, getting new releases of first run films or movie theaters, getting new releases of first run films. And we'll get to another conversation later, which is a little more of a of a conflict. Um, And that's Martin Scorsese's comments about Marvel films, which we'll we'll get to later. We'll get to the details of that. First off, you saw a film in theaters recently, did you right. not, yes. Mr. Wolfie? What
1: yes. What film did you
0: see in theaters? I saw how was that experience.
1: No, I saw I saw The Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with Suicide Squad. Definitely not. <laughs> um, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I thought that, like, uh, you know, I know that I missed the, uh, the review with the cast, but um, I thought that it was a... Uh, it was. I think that like part of it was maybe a little bit overhyped by the reviews and and Rotten Tomato and all that stuff. This is why I hate mm-hmm. reading reviews before I see something because I feel like my opinion's already skewed, uh, and I didn't get a chance to see it right away. Only because I wanted to see it in the theater, not to stream it. So actually, this is this is perfect for the conversation that we're gonna have because I chose. I specifically mm-hmm. chose. To wait like a week or even two weeks, I think. I think it was just a week after it was
0: released to see it in the theater instead of seeing it at home. Why did you um, wait a week? Because we we were definitely a part of that like group of people that would go see. I didn't, like, I didn't have the time opening night. You just didn't have I the didn't time. have the time. My
1: my, my 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 life has been very very hectic this year. You know, mm-hmm. um, ever since reopening uh, the, the dojo the martial arts school that I own. Um. Ever since reopening after the uh, the the pandemic restrictions have uh, have been lifted, it's been a very very busy time, especially with like all the new extra protocols that were taking place to to keep everyone safe at the dojo. It's taking up a mm-hmm. little bit more time than than maybe in the past, but I just did not have the time to see it. Usually, you know, the reason that we have like this podcast is because we're all you know you know release midnight release viewers,
0: so. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but no, I didn't get a chance to see it until until a week later. How was it? I mean, when you're speaking about the dojo and in reopening that, you have to take a certain level of different restrictions or different precautions, we should say, um, because of COVID and things like that. How is that different or how did that affect or what happened, I guess, in the movie-going experience when you went to go see The Suicide Squad? in terms of COVID precautions and restrictions and Um, for everybody's reference. We're in New York city, so it's It's probably pretty different everywhere else.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think, um, like as far as the theater goes, I, the the specific theater that I went to didn't have any kind of restrictions in place actually, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously Mm -hmm. it's reserved seating. So we had to like pick our seats and then the seats surrounding us were blocked off. But to be fair, the I think I have only gone to the theater one other time for Mortal Kombat.
0: Um, people
1: aren't really going to the theater.
0: Like the theaters so are empty. Still are staying away. Yeah. In Gen- general, so, I mean, Suicide Squad made a decent amount of money. What the most recent the film that made that? a lot of money was Black Widow, right? That was
1: yeah. And I actually meant to see that in the theater. I I just didn't have time to go, so I ended up streaming it. But I really wanted to see it in the theater instead of stream. And, and now I wish I had seen it even more, considering the lawsuit taking place with uh, Scarlett Johansson. So, yeah,
0: exactly. I want to get to that in a moment, but I want to kind of describe to to give you that different perspective. It wasn't necessarily my perspective, but I saw the Suicide Squad as well, and I didn't get to be on the podcast episode where uh, the crew reviewed it. And I heard that episode; it was a really, really fun episode. They all enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. I mean. Um, I think the overhype thing is a solid point because when you see like 99% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that, like a week before release, it was 100%. You know, a hundred percent, not going to be the final. It was, 100% it was a hundred percent, at hundred percent, a couple of points or at, for a while. Right. I'm not really sure, but it, you, I saw that number and you see yeah. that. And that definitely is like, oh, well, this movie's going to be fantastic. Not that it wasn't. It was really, really fun. Really, really entertaining. The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's version was way better than the 2016 version. I think we basically all agree on that point at least. Um, But yeah, it's not like the greatest movie of all time. Like seeing 100% on Rotten Tomatoes might make you feel. But I saw it with some friends. So I recently took a trip down to Atlanta um, to do something fun. I'll just let it it out there. Um, I I proposed to my girlfriend. I, I snuck down to Atlanta. And I proposed to her. She said yes. That's that's fun news. Uh, I've been kind of on top of the moon about that. But on the way down to Atlanta, I stopped in Baltimore to visit a really, really good friend of mine from high school. And another friend of mine from high school who lives in New York, we all drove. We drove down separately. And the three of us, we saw The Suicide Squad uh, on HBO Max, which is the other way that, you know, people are basically consuming these kinds of films right now. And my two friends that I was with are were definitely more of the mindset like they don't really care about the loss of the movie theater experience. Really? They're, yeah, I actually really really wanted to have one of them on the podcast today, but it was that to be so frank. This was yeah yeah to be frank, this was like something we came up with as a topic uh, relatively quickly. And it's actually my co-host uh, on Positively Cynical, the other podcast that I do. He's he's definitely somebody that enjoys going to the movies and I'll drag him to go see like the, the newest Marvel movie, you know, every once yeah. in a while. Because I'll see it like in theaters. I'll go see that those movies two or three times if I have yeah, time. Yeah. I, I love the, the, the experience, the re- even repeating it. Um, and he's kind of like, yeah, you know, I only need to see a movie once. I don't really care to ever like see it again. And he's like, you know, watching it at home is is actually fine because and, and, you know, it's a fair point. You can like have your own food and like have your own stuff to drink and you're comfortable on your own couch. You don't have to worry about dealing with other people or people talking through the movie. You can rewind it if like there's something that you miss. And like those are all relatively fair points. And the, you know, the fact that on HBO Max and a service like that, you can rewatch it. Again and again, another fair, solid point. You can do it at least only for the cost of the service. But Ooh. for me, I'll say really quickly as the as the counterpoint to them, and then I'll let you go ahead and 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 give your counterpoint. I mean, I love the experience not just because of the big screen. The big screen is amazing. I I love the the camaraderie and the experience when you go see like a really fun movie that everybody's going to see and everybody's excited about. All the geeks are excited about it. I love the you know everybody laughing and enjoying it and having fun. That's like part of the experience for me, which I guess also kind of ties to the conversation we're going to have later. Um, And, you know, I like movie theater, popcorn. I like movie theater stuff, you know, soda. I don't really drink soda ever other than when I go to the movie theater. That's like when I'm like, all right, I'm going to enjoy a cherry Coke or something like that. So for me, that's why the experience is just, it's visceral. It's fun. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's worth paying the extra money for and taking the time to go out to the theater to go check it out. So, what was the point that you? you well, were
1: Well, my point is 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 the is the point of the filmmakers, which is mm-hmm. that the movie the film was not meant for a small screen unless you have. The movies aren't necessarily designed. The majority of movies aren't necessarily designed um, from a production standpoint. To be solely for a small screen with subpar audio, and the truth is that the majority of, you know, viewers, vast majority of the viewers, do not have a the suitable audio experience, um, to to properly experience the film. The other thing about it is that, like, especially the action movies, um. The, the experience is enhanced by having such a large screen, the surround yeah. audio that you have and the venue itself, aside from the fact that like, you're being forced to have no distractions. You know, when you're at home, the doorbell rings, the phone rings, your kids wake up, the, the dog is barking, things like that. That takes away from the experience, simply because the film isn't, you don't have your full attention being given to the film. And I think that for the very first time that you watch a film, I'm a b- big, firm believer on first impressions, especially especially with media, that it should be where you give it its full attention, because after that, once you've already experienced the film, you've already experienced the story, the the, the the performances on screen and everything, then you can repeat it at home and all that stuff and like nitpick or rewatch or re-enjoy it and stuff like that, but you'll never be able to enjoy it as good as you enjoyed the very first time, and that experience should be tailored to, to, to the performance and what you're seeing on spring on screen. And I think that that's why it's like, again, aside from the fact that like the filmmaker designed the film for a specific visual and, uh, audio, and even a feel, uh, you know, experience. Um, I, I, I just, I think it's wrong to stream it for your first viewing.
0: Uh, so there is a comment that immediately came to mind, and and let me see if I can find the exact quote. I'm looking for it here. This is from Delhi, De, Delhi, Denis Villeneuve, I believe, is how it's pronounced. The director of the of, upcoming of Dune. Dune, yeah, and of, of a bunch of wonderful films that a lot of us have enjoyed recently. I enjoyed Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, so did I. That's a perfect really movie, actually. Good. That movie. Honestly, that's one of the few movies that I feel like can only be truly appreciated on a big screen. Because of the the way the the design of the cities and, and the design of the characters and the design of some of that, like some of the large advertisements and the large uh, hologram of the woman, things like that, that were really, really great on the screen. But Denis Villeneuve, he said, I'm going to paraphrase here because I just want to get to the to the point beyond this, but... He says that watching Dune on a TV is like driving a speedboat in your bathtub. So, yes.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: One hundred percent. an easy way to speak to what you're saying, right? Yes. And to, to what a lot of directors are saying. I think James Gunn sent something similar about watching the Suicide Squad and asking people to go watch it in the theaters. Um, but yeah, so that's the point that a lot of people are making. And then you have the other perspective, which is... You have something like we mentioned, Black Widow, which made a ton of money in theaters on its first weekend. And the argument is being made legally, even at this point by Scarlett Johansson against Disney and Marvel. The argument is being made that legally having the ability to pay $30 for however many people you want to watch it on Disney Plus or whatever it is, premium access, as they called it, which I think I don't think Shang Chi yeah. had that, right? They they removed that recently, so they're rethinking yeah, I it as well. So, yeah, But the argument being made is that you know paying that thirty dollars is and not having, say, with Scarlett Johansson's contract, where it was her some of her profit came from theater profits, yeah. movie theater mm-hmm. profits, that it took money away from her, and I can imagine that. Only paying that that thirty dollars isn't just for Scarlett Johansson, right? That thirty dollars for premium access on Disney Plus, it goes to the directors, it goes to everybody that worked on the film, indeed, right? So it is kind of taking away money from some of these films, uh, and from some of the people that, that actually did the, the work. work. Yeah, you know, a hundred percent. So are are you definitely going to see Dune? In theaters? Oh, I'm 100% going to see Dune. Down. I've been waiting for Dune in a long time. I can show you. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, let me see if I can pull it out. Uh, where do I have
1: it? You can keep speaking. While I, look I really
0: want to go see Dune in theaters, and I feel like it's going to be in theaters near me in my neighborhood at a theater that's that's handling things safely. Um, It's not a very big theater, though. I'm kind of trying to, wanting to convince... Uh, my now fiancé, my now fiancé, to go see Dune in theaters. Uh, but we'll see. If, Dune is one if of my favorite books.
1: Thing. This book, you know, not, not just because of how awesome it looks, but because of how awesome uh, the book itself is. I've been waiting. You know, it's funny. I, 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 I saw Dune when I was a kid, but didn't really understand it. I was too young
0: to to the, really. Um, David Lynch very, very, that yeah, version, right? No, Villeneuve really new. He did himself. No, the, the, He did the original, original? Yeah. That was it was a different director. No, he did the original. Oh he's redoing God. his own movie. Okay, all right. So, wow, interesting. Well, he's doing his, redoing yeah, his so, own movie. So, and, and, so, and apparently there's a part 2 coming out as well. So, go on go, continue. Yeah, tell me more about about how much Right.
1: So, for. so I saw Dune and I didn't really understand it actually to be honest with you. I didn't actually even like it, but I think I was too young to really understand it. Um mm-hmm. and uh but then I read the book. Uh I think it was like when I first started kind of like getting into heavy reading and even some writing, um like ten years ago. And I picked it up. I also did not necessarily really enjoy reading the book because it's a difficult book to read in a sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially when you But young. then when I finally picked it up for like the third or fourth well, it wasn't that it was ten years ago, so like twenty seven, twenty eight. Um when I picked up the book for a third time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay, I was still younger. Yes. When I picked it up for a third time, that Mm -hmm. moment, I I was like in the right mindset, I understood the book. And now I realize how amazing the book is. I see the trailer to Dune. And I Mm -hmm. see some of the scenes perfectly and exactly described as they are in the book. So Not just some of the scenes, but some of the lines, too. So when I see just in the trailer how much work is being put to bring the the story that's in the book to life, to literal life, why would you want to not experience that in the best, most amazing possible way? Why would you want to diminish it? Why would you get a double cheeseburger
0: and then take out one of the patties? (laughs) That makes no sense to me. You remove something from the experience. But I I think a part of it is also dependent on whether you're more of somebody who's a little extroverted or somebody who's a little more introverted. My friends who are more interested in the movie theater experience or less interested in the movie theater experience are like, I'd rather stay home and, you know, hang out and have a couple of drinks and watch it on streaming services. But yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you for most of these big temple, exciting Films you've been waiting for, or like, I mean, most of these Marvel movies are also films you've been waiting for because how long have you been waiting to see some of these characters on the screen?
1: Or, and and I can you know, and I can understand that too, you
0: know. I can just totally to understand like, that. Wanting to be more like having the t- the chance to rewatch it and like hang out at home and make your own food and like be lazy on your own couch and invite over whoever you want—that kind of. It's, it is it is understandable. I, it's just not, I'm I'm not a fan of it. And I want to go see Dune as well. And I definitely want to see The Eternals, which I've been talking about forever. And a new trailer just came out, which looked awesome. I, I want to go mm-hmm. see those movies in theaters. So I guess we're going to take me a while to watch the trailer. It's going to take you a while to watch the trailer? You haven't seen the new Eternals trailer yet? Well, you, yeah, you don't watch trailers as, uh, as much as. I told you, man. I don't, I don't think, I don't do trailers, man
1: not right away not right away i i want to wait i want to wait until like the hype has died down and then i'll watch it i don't want to like be part of the hype like i know that if, say, if i see the trailer and then i i notice all the things that everyone's hype about that i'm gonna get super hype about it too and i don't want that i don't want to kind of skew my own you know view of 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 the trailer of the film and stuff so
0: so are there just certain films? I mean, Dune would, would probably be one of them. You did say you saw the trailer, but are there certain films that you're just resigned to? Like, I'm gonna see this. I don't need to see really anything in terms of the acting or the art direction. Oh yeah, or the, absolutely. Uh, design or anything like I just want yeah, to like, 100%. let it be terrible if it's terrible or amazing if it's amazing, and and that's what you get basically
1: all right so so the majority the majority of like the marvel films i don't mm-hmm. watch the tra- I'll, I'll watch the first trailer that comes out once mm-hmm. and then i'll never watch the trailer again uh the matrix i will never watch the trailer to the matrix except for maybe the very first time i see it just because i love
0: the matrix but outside of that i don't need to see it because i know i, I already you know anything. yeah the first trailer was just asking was just asking the question, right? What is the matrix or something like that? So it didn't tell you anything. I mean sure, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. But won. my
1: thing is that like when I've like I've already decided that I'm gonna see the movie when the movie if if I've already decided that I'm gonna see the movie when it gets announced, I don't need to see a trailer. Like I wanna go in there as blind and naked as possible. I wanna be a newborn child <laughs> seeing light for the first time. Okay, I okay, want to be so, Neo being pulled out of of, of the vat. Okay, after I want to I want to have that experience. Yeah, I want to have that experience. You know, okay.
0: so so I'll end versus this, this versus part of this conversation. versus the opposite. Hold on,
1: versus the opposite experience that Neo had, where he saw the trailer in the Matrix world,
0: and then he actually sees the real world, and then he's disappointed. the real world is terribly disappointing in the matrix i I would imagine but they chose to stay in the real world and well he chose to die so i guess that's kind of telling in its own sense as well here's here's a question i i want to ask i'll tell you how i didn't make this decision how do you decide what you're going to see in theaters versus what you're going to wait for to watch on streaming or whatever other service or purchasing it on, on some sort of service at home. Okay. For me, um, I, you know, I'm kind of like you, I think most of the Marvel stuff, DC stuff, like the big action stuff, the stuff that looks great spectacle wise on a big screen that I know I'm going to be interested in after the first trailer. Like that's when I'm like, all right, I'm going to see this in the theater. Um, it that really changes unless, and then this is maybe me being a victim of reviews a little bit, if reviews are really, really awful, I might not go see it in the theaters. So, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm weak in that way. Uh, anything okay. else, like, you know, I watch a lot of the, you know, the Oscar bait every year and dramas and, you know, things like that, comedies. Um, some horror movies. Some horror movies I like to watch in the theater, but most horror movies, generally, I'll just watch that at home. I'll stream it. I'll buy it if it's something that I'm really interested in watching. How do you kind of come up with which movies you want to watch? So, all right, so uh, I don't, this is why I
1: don't like to read reviews because I don't want to be like persuaded to not see a movie if I already want. If I already am interested in seeing it, even if there's bad reviews out there, I'll still want to see it. But I don't want to, since I know that I'm still going to want to see it in the theater, I don't want it to warp my perception because I know that I'm going to see it. If I already know that I'm going to see the movie in the theater, I don't want a review to to try to change my mind. You know, mm-hmm. Now, when I hear things like word of mouth, like if I hear the crew say, man, this movie sucked, I didn't like it, You know, it's crap, uh, that's a little bit different. I mean, I'm still going to see it in the theater, but I'll kind of take your words in consideration because I know you, like, we, we kind of have same likes and interests, right? Like, a reviewer, I have no idea if we have the same taste. Like, there's plenty of movies that I love and enjoy that, by all means, have gotten that people want to strike from the from the, uh, the, the, the the history books of film. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. I it's didn't think it was one. that bad. I thought it was. I didn't think it was great. I thought yeah. it was okay. I didn't think it was as bad as Walter says. But for example, wait, wait. Street Fighter. You I know, love Street Fighter.
0: You didn't get to see that in the theaters. Did, uh, Wonder Woman. Right? No, because Wonder Woman yeah. it, it went to the stream. It went straight to stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, right, um, right. that's
1: right. Yeah, it came out in theaters afterwards, but it went straight to stream. Mm-hmm. Um, I generally choose the movies that i see on screen based on the production value of the film so for example a romantic comedy doesn't have much film production value so Mm -hmm. that i can see at home because the experience isn't going to be um enhanced by watching it in the theater right a romantic comedy is a date movie, one that like, hey, let's go out and let's watch this together as part of a date, right? Versus a, sci- a science drama, uh, that's that's you can go watch that on a date, you can watch that on your own, you can watch that with the guys, you know, or with the girls, whatever, but you're going there because you want to be razzled and dazzled. You want the lights, you want the booms, you want the vibration and everything, you know, you want to see... An alien invasion, a three hundred foot ship coming at you. But if you see that at home for the first time, that's not a three hundred foot ship. That's a sixty inch one. Yeah, it's you know feet wide. It's kind right. Of a lot less so it's not right. Your so so for me, it's people. based on the production value. That's why, like even even a crappy movie can 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 be okay if you see it in a theater if the experience is enhanced.
0: So did, I base it did on you... that. Did you ever watch, uh, what movie was it that, oh man, The New Mutants? Did we ever get to watch, did you ever get to watch that in theaters? No. Or, no, I didn't. Because uh, that I was, mean, we, he all, he we all saw the, the bootleg. Yeah, I mean, that's why you made the argument that it would be a heck of a lot better. Yeah, this, it
1: probably it would have been. I haven't even like, seen it. I, you know, I, 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 I want to rewatch it. I do want to rewatch it. I want to see the proper,
0: what how it was intended to be seen. I think I have to like at least give Maisie you Williams. You got to give it a shot. People, you got to give it the a Taylor shot. Taylor Joy, some yeah, there's that I enjoyed. I don't know how much money they get from me watching it on Amazon I would love Prime, so I to know what
1: Walter, which one Walter hates the most: New Mutants or
0: Wonder Woman eighty four. We could we could probably do a, a, an episode about like recent movies that we've absolutely hated. Lot. Dude, New we New could New do New an episode
1: of like uh versus that one out. yeah. <laughs> versus which one? Which one, which one goes into the bin
0: <laughs> versus Suicide Squad? It could be like three three away matches in some of these episodes, yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Which one is like the more terrible? Experience oh, yeah, think that's a good idea. Yeah. We should do like another movie
1: night. I think that we should all watch New Mutants together
0: again. I really, you know, I think that would be a great idea because I would re- i really want to do an episode together again in the same oh group. yeah I would like, since to, we're I all can't vaccinated to yeah and, to and, uh, we, we gotta like bring that up for like oh that's right Eli's vaccinated now right have recently yeah oh for everybody dude. is vaccinated we gotta like, do vaccinated. it we totally gotta maybe do for it for one of these maybe for one of these movies that we're gonna try to go see in the near future in theaters like a Which Dune, one? or like an Eternals. Well, Dune, yeah, I gotta I mean, see Dune. I, I want to go see both of those, so I you know will... what Eternals we should definitely plan to see together. Yeah. And let's do
1: like it'd be cool to do like the old school midnight review and record.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we'll all be exhausted. It'll sound totally different from the episode that we're recording now. No, but it will be totally worth it. No, that's not excitement. true. Remember,
1: we like every Exciting. time we, we every time we did like uh, one of the, uh, the 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 Marvel movies and then went straight uh, straight home to to record. That was one of some of our best <laughs> episodes. The Star Wars episode. Oh god, dude!
0: We also loaded off on caffeine a couple of those times. So that's true. I mean, but it's in, yeah, and like a bunch of White Castle and pizza. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> back when we used to get pizza and and food and all that stuff just before we recorded. Chinese let's food. Bring oh, let's bring that tradition. bring that tradition back Hell, one yeah. more time. Absolutely. That theme. Theme park experience. I'm that. I'm super with it. <laughs> that- that theme park experience, which ties into the rest of the conversation that we are going to have here. And that is Martin Scorsese, and his feelings about our Marvel movies, our geek stuff. (laughs) I mean, I think it's fairly clear, sort of where we come on this argument. But let's talk about what Martin Scorsese said about Marvel films and cinema and the fact that he does not watch them. And then we'll talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, So what do you say? According according to Martin Scorsese, and I'm reading this from Variety.com, in an interview with Empire Magazine. So Martin Scorsese gave the Marvel Cinematic Universe the cold shoulder comparing the billion dollar franchise to theme parks. Scorsese said. I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them as well made as they are with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. Um, So that's what Scorsese said about Marvel movies and I guess movies right now in general. Uh, I do want to bring up just one bit of context. And then it sounds like you have an opinion to give about Scorsese's comments. Uh, Scorsese's most recent film, the Irishman came out on another form of media that one would say destroyed at least a certain part of the film experience. And that's Netflix because let's remember Netflix destroyed blockbuster video and, VHS rentals. Some of y'all are like, what the heck is a VHS? Blockbuster destroyed VHS rentals and DVD rentals and rentals of movies of at a store uh of all kinds. So Scorsese, Wolfie, do you have any thoughts on his comment and then maybe we'll broach some of the comments that people have made in response. So so you know, my thing
1: is that I think that he comes from an era of I don't even want to say from an era I think that like you know people of his stature that have he's 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 become well established as as a as as a profound and prolific filmmaker so he has license to speak on the industry in a sense, right? Because he's, he's created such masterpieces that people hold in reverence. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that like his own pedestal warps, his mindset of what filmmaking is, because Mm -hmm. basically what he's saying is like the only filmmaking that's filmmaking is what I make essentially what pizza. he's saying and it's and it's like and it's and if you're not doing what I'm doing he's not saying that he's the only one that does it but what he is saying that like if you're not making what I'm making then it's not a film because then what's what's a Pixar film? What's a what's yeah. soul right what's uh mm. any animated film is it not film like um Miyazaki is Miyazaki not, is Miyazaki movie not a movie is that not an art piece you know what I mean? Just because it's done like through computer graphics and CGI and 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 and, and no no sets, because his argument is that like they're acting in front of a green screen ninety percent of the time with all computer animated graphics and stuff like that are those then not films either? So I think that like he's he's speaking from a top of mountain where his sight and his viewpoint is only as far as his own feet. You know? I think it's, it's it,
0: interesting that you talk about the CGI. Oh, go ahead, continue. Continue. Oh no, I was just going to uh, say that. Like, it's, it's like just, just you know, he,
1: he, uh, you know, to say that 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 it's um, a theme park. I don't know who would want to go on the Joker ride.
0: Yeah, the most recent Joker film you're talking about, the one that that's uh, not. Yeah, that's not. That's not a. Theme, that's not. It? That's not. That's not a theme park.
1: You know. He's talking about like, uh, like, you know, characters looking within themselves. Like, come on, that's not. You can't, you can't say that. That's not a, a film. You just can't.
0: Period. I mean, we definitely all enjoy all kinds of film, including campy stuff, including like weird and silly and dumb. Somebody can say, "quote unquote," dumb yeah. stuff part of the argument there's two parts of the argument that i think that he makes that don't make a lot of sense to me and when he talks about like say you know something like cgi you know things like that that make it the theme park park experience where he complains about how they're standing in front of a green screen i think is what you had mentioned yeah uh that doesn't really make sense to me when like some of his most recent films like the irishman were heavy on cgi to like make all the actors way younger right? CGI has its place. CGI is useful and shows like the Mandalorian are changing how CGI shows are made also with the, the, the way that they use Epic game software to kind of project yeah. sets and create these actual physical, again, quote unquote sets that the actors can interact with. And like, even have sometimes like visual CGI stand-ins for like creatures that they're interacting with or right. things like that. The other part of the argument that, that like kind of is, odd to me coming from him is that he comes from, so you're speaking about the era that he comes from, he comes from the same era as directors like George Lucas, and Steven Spielberg. And I I gotta wonder, like, what is it about movies like Jaws? Right? Why is Jaws not a theme park spectacle when in fact, there is a does Jaws it, ride, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Jurassic Park, the Indiana like
1: Jones, all those things.
0: Yeah, where's the line get drawn? Like, is yeah, is, is Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park, which a lot of people think is a movie with wonderful heart. That's all. It's all freaking CGI. There's like yeah. almost nothing that's real in that movie, um, even including a lot of the sets. Like, does that movie not qualify as film? And you're right. Like, it kind of is. Like, where does someone draw the line in terms of like, is, is just what I make film or is uh, everything film depending on some other criteria, I guess. I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that it's, I think that this was honestly more of a knee jerk reaction to maybe even Scorsese's films not being the centerpiece anymore like when for example whenever scorsese made a film when it was going to come out it's the talk of the town it's nothing else matters but Mm -hmm. in this day and age with media with social media how the speed of news and the disney machine Mm -hmm. a scorsese film is going to be talked about for one day and then everyone else is going to talk about the mcu timeline for the next two years so it might just be more of a knee-jerk reaction of like, I'm not being spoken about, my films aren't being talked about because of, you know, this huge universe of films that are being made, so it's more of a like, well, that stuff over there is just spectacle and the theme park, so I think he's looking at it from that standpoint, and that's just spectacle and theme park, and that's what's pulling in all the viewers, you know, but the real cinephiles are gonna mm-hmm. turn a blind eye to that, That's he's trying to kind of control a certain narrative um but it's just and, and the thing is there is an argument to be made there i do think that you know and maybe this is like a whole separate conversation i do think that like the mcu the the, the the cinematic universes as a whole can be too saturated can 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 kind of kill an industry a little too Mm. much it's it's like walmart coming into this neighborhood and killing all the mom and pop stops shops Mm. it's uh you know anything like that you know and i think that that is kind of what's happening
0: you know it's sort of it's an interesting conversation too and i was going to come out and and defend scorsese a little bit too, try to hit the other side of the argument because it's very true that marvel movies kind of make all the money in terms of movie theaters but doesn't that kind of go back to the to the conversation that we were having earlier because now the way that people consume a lot of these sort of for lack of a better term let's call them art house like film quote unquote in the way that scorsese intends the the term a lot the way that people consume that stuff and the way that money gets made is through streaming services now that's where you get a lot of indie releases. That's where you got the Irishman. That's where you get a lot of films that are not the big spectacle theme park films that Scorsese is talking about. But it's, I mean, it's true. He's kind of right because I won't go see most Scorsese films or art house films or anything like that in the theater. There's exceptions. I saw a you know, Boyhood. I saw There Will Be Blood and uh, yeah. you know, movies like that. Those are not that recent, even though. Like, I can't think of one that I've seen recently. But to his point, it's it is kind of true that he's he's being pushed towards those streaming services, and we don't know how like revenue kind of gets shared there. Which you said it becomes something of a threat to the to the how much money he's making. It becomes something of a threat, maybe in terms of awards because it's kind of unclear how it was unclear for a bit, like whether Netflix films qualified for the Oscars. Now they do. But maybe because all of those conversations and all of that sorting had to occur, that was like kind of a part of his point. And when Marvel films come out and they're making several billion dollars, each one like is making close to a billion dollars, $3 billion. I mean, we are, and kind of a lot of people are saving our money to go to the theater to go see the Most recent MCU movie, the most recent DCU right. movie, the most recent like big budget release. Um, but I mean, is Dune not going to be a piece of art? We're still going to watch that in the theater because it mixes, yeah, yeah, theme park It's still a spectacle. Story.
1: I mean, I mean, the thing is look, even the Ironman, Irishman is still spectacle. You know, like the fact that you're seeing Al Pacino, uh, Joe Pesci, and Robert De Niro on screen is a spectacle in itself. You know, it's so a gimmick it's, in a way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like there's a reason why there's a reason why he had those three and not just like three other Italian guys, mm-hmm. you know, on the screen. It's because he wants the spectacle of it to draw the people. So it's again, it's like kind of like even hypocritical in a way to, to call one thing a spectacle in a theme park and not yours. You know? Like, yes, of course, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, and and Robert De Niro, great actors meritus actors and it, it would be absolutely absolutely amazing to see them on screen all the time but it's because of who they are and because it's the trio on screen at, like nobody saw the irishman just because it was martin scorsese or robert de niro they saw the i saw the irishman because it was robert de niro and al pacino you know yeah. that's it i didn't
0: personally think that that movie was that great neither did i Actually, you know? to be frank with you, I fell asleep the first time I was watching it. So did it I. So right, long. Yes, yeah, so great. It was. Joe I Pesci have was it in parts. fantastic. Joe Pesci was yeah. he, I think it was his best role ever.
1: To be honest with you, yeah. From he was from from an, from act, acting pro, Yes, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. but that was a spectacle piece. I saw that
0: because of the names attached to it, not because of the premise of the film. You know, that's true. I had never heard of the the titular Irishman. Before this so, movie was announced, and before I found out that those three actors that Scorsese had worked with to great yeah. effect in movies like Goodfellas, yeah, and things, like Goodfellas yeah. is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's Scorsese. Like, let's give a little reverence to the man, like you said earlier. He's an amazing director. He's made some amazing films. But yeah, like I came back to it because I was like, oh yeah, I want to see the the yeah. the, the Avengers of Martin Scorsese get yes, back together. Exactly, man. that's like, his
1: Avengers. That's his Avengers. <laughs>
0: You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so,
1: absolutely. hundred percent. So, But the thing is true. that like from the Marvel thing, it's that the thing that the, the one thing that can make it a, a theme park, it's the fact that, and maybe he didn't articulate this this way or even mean to, but what I think makes the MCU specifically a theme park in a way It's that their movies have a specific formula that hit all categories. You want a romantic comedy? You can watch an MCU film. If you want a comedy in itself, watch any MCU film. You want drama? Watch any MCU film. You want superhero? Watch any MCU film. You want childhood inspiration? Watch any MCU film. So if you have, for example, you have Guardians of the Galaxy comes out. And then you have a comedy film come out, and then you have like romantic comedy come out, and then you have like a kid's film come out. All at the same time, Guardians of the Galaxy hit it for all those people. So now if you think about, let's say, four different people that can only afford one movie ticket, each four of them are from each different category. Uh, Romance, action, comedy, and kids. They can only buy one movie ticket. Guardians of the Galaxy hits all four of them. And that is how they're taking the market share away. That's actually one of the reasons why the comedy film industry has been tanking is because MCU movies are so funny. They
0: actually take away from comedy film releases. Unless you're The Rock or... Tiffany Haddish I don't know there's there's like a couple of people that are still a draw in like comedy. I mean films, the, 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 the Mark, rock the rock is
1: the rock is a draw no matter what you know what I mean and he's also uh, an action star some in of,
0: these films too right yeah so, for sure so, you know he's, like his own um, he, he's, he's yeah he's different you know he's, he's, he's <laughs> a different beast but the same animal you know and and also let's let's Give it well. I'll give a few quotes from what some people thought of his comments in a moment, but I kind of want to close out our thoughts on it with this point in support of Scorsese in terms mm. of the theme park experience. Because you know, when you go to a theme park, it's definitely you're expecting certain beats to be hit, right? Just like the MCU, like you said, it, it hits the comedy, it hits the action, it hits the family stuff, it hits the drama, and that's why we enjoy comic books. Right? Because we love the the action and stuff like that. We love the 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 comedic moments and the those weird moments between characters. But you know what was what was like I guess the, the point that I was gonna make at is, you know, at the same time I was gonna make this point actually, I think I made this point during the Loki episode. Um the Loki episode was or the Loki episodes, the most, the most middle or sent the the third episode, I think, was the one basically, where I made this point or wanted to make this point. Um, that episode was where they had to like shoehorn in the action scenes, right? Like, and we again, we love action scenes. Yeah. We love stuff like yeah. that. But that wasn't very good action. It wasn't like really, really like, oh, this action scene needed to be in there to either tell you something about the character, which is why we love action scenes sometimes also, right? Because there's their character moments. They can be didn't tell you anything about Loki or Sylvie when they started beating people up. And it wasn't like really cool, like amazing action that we can say like, okay, that was like a really cool five minutes of Loki, like kicking butt and Sylvie doing crazy flips and, and crazy stuff like that. Like, That would be more justifiable. But instead, they still have to squeeze those moments in. And they had to maybe sometimes squeeze the romantic moments in. Like you said, the romantic comedy stuff. Although the Sylvie and Loki stuff was more interesting in the way that they squeezed in that romance. They kind of do that sometimes when they don't need to as well. You know, like they would make Black Widow like a, a weird romantic interest for the Hulk or something like that. Like that never panned out. Like, yeah, that that's never' true. turned out into anything, really. They were just some moments. but, yeah, I mean, that's definitely like something that I would say is in defense of what Scorsese is saying here in a so- way, you know, in a way, but I, I I still don't think that
1: I don't think I don't necessarily that it does in in general defend Scorsese. I think that there's some truth to what he's saying, but not for the reasons that he is saying it. You know, that's
0: ultimately what I it's what I mean, it's what audiences want too, right? Audiences want movies to hit all those beats. That's why people enjoy these movies, other than the fact that you know it's some of their favorite characters. That's more what it is for us, is some of our favorite characters growing up in comics and things like that. But it is a fun, you know, way to hit all of the emotional beats that you want to hit, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Let's give a couple of comments, and then we're going to close out. I'll give a couple of comments that some MCU actors have given in defense, and some MCU involved people have given in defense of of Mm. this. Um, Here's one by Mr. Chadwick Boseman, who respect the late uh, is in the more the late. The late Chadwick Boseman, who's amazing in the most recent episodes of What If, which we're definitely going to talk about soon. What If has been, I think it's been fun, um, but we'll definitely have a conversation about that. But Boseman said that he respects the famed director, who is a genius at what he does. But he said that Scorsese missed a lot of the feelings fans felt after watching the Ryan Coogler drama. He's talking about Black Panther here. You know, we felt that angst. We felt that thing you would feel from cinema when we watched it that's cultural. Maybe it's generational. Um, and Bozeman also added, you've got to think about when he's saying it. And this was kind of to some points that you made, I think. He's saying it when he's possibly campaigning for an award. And he's saying it at a time when he's making a Netflix movie. So that has that's how eyes get on his film. And it's not going to be in the cinemas. It's not going to be seen the best way. The best yeah. way is kind yeah. of interesting that he says that as well. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so this is, these are Scarlett Johansson's comments. And I think there's one from Kevin Feige I want to like point out really quickly. And then let's go to Scorsese's camp. Uh, Scarlett Johansson said, at first I thought that seems kind of old-fashioned and somebody had to explain to me because it seems so disappointing and sad in a way. Very. She, they said, <laughs> I think that what these people are saying is that at the actual theater, there's not a lot of room for different kinds of movies. Or smaller movies, because the theater is taking up by huge blockbusters. Let's see where Feige. Oh, excuse me, I'm getting <clears throat> I got stuck in something stuck in my throat as well. I think I transferred something
1: over to you through the mic. Yeah, through the mic that I. Uh...
0: <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> Kevin Feige. So he said this. Maybe it's easy to dismiss. VFX or flying people or spaceships or billion dollar grosses. I think it is easy to say that you have already been awarded in a certain way. Alfred Hitchcock never won Best Director, so it's very nice, but it doesn't mean everything. I would much rather be in a room full of engaged fans. So for for Kevin oh, Feige, which is probably why he makes these films, it's about the experience, which it is. It's about the fans. On, yeah, it, that's very much what it is on, on our side as well. So let's go and end. <clears throat> Pardon me. <laughs> let's go and end with some, some people in defense of Scorsese. I would love to know who defended him. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. This is going to take a. See, even my computer's getting a bug here. Do you didn't have anybody defending it? Hello. Bong Joon-ho. Okay. That sounds familiar. Isn't that the guy from... uh he is Parasite. The yeah, Parasite. Oscar-winning yeah. film, Parasite, who's also created films, I believe, like... Man,
1: the... there's already bias there. He sees himself as the Korean uh,
0: Scorsese but he also he also did that film Snowpiercer, which was you could yeah.
1: Define I still need as to see spectacle. that. I still
0: need to see that. That's been like uh, that that's one fantastic. is. Uh, yeah, that's what I keep hearing. It is. It's a fantastic film. There's a show that I haven't seen right now, but so here's Bong Joon-ho. I have a personal problem. I respect the creativity that goes into superhero films, but in real life and in movies, I can't stand people wearing tight-fitting clothes. I'll never wear something like that, and just seeing someone in tight clothes is mentally difficult. I don't know where to look, and I feel suffocated. Most superheroes wear tight suits, so I can never direct one. I don't think anyone will offer the project to me either. If there's a superhero who has a very boxy costume, maybe I can try. So that's his. That that almost comedy. sounded a little bit tongue in cheek. <laughs> it did. It did. Let's see. Wait. It was pointed out to Bong that he'd already worked with Captain America himself, Chris Evans on Snowpiercer. This is from Esquire.com. The director suggested that his instincts weren't quite lined up with what the comic book studio would really be after. Chris Evans slips on a fish, he said. I don't think that is Marvel's sensibility. Don't know what, what that means, but. Uh, <laughs> here is Francis Ford Coppola. Okay, And Coppola comes out heavy. He swings heavy. I believe that he is still alive. At least he was when these comments came out um, that Scorsese had mentioned. Uh, Let's see here. So this is from Esquire.com. Legendary auteur behind the Godfather trilogy and Apocalypse Now came out in support of his longtime friend and went a few steps further in his condemnation of the MCU. When Martin Scorsese says that the Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right, because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Martin was kind when he said it's not cinema. He didn't say it's despicable, which I just say it is so wow well you know francis ford coppola hasn't
1: been relevant for a long time someone should send them a copy of uh black panther
0: a copy of black panther or a copy of something like uh the joker or the copy of the avengers come on bro like not inspiring anything drama like Captain America with the Winter Soldier, which is a spy drama like that really, really Amen. takes from 70s spy dramas. You know what I mean? So like, you're
1: going to tell me that the transformation of Tony Stark going from like a self-centered uh, a-hole to the man with a sense of purpose to save all humanity by sacrificing himself, basically marvels
0: Jesus? Yeah, that's I mean, I think that that's something that maybe he doesn't see that we think is wonderful because the storytelling in between all of those movies, which is how Feige is doing it. Yeah, there's there's a story in each movie. And yes, it does get sidetracked sometimes by Marvel having to hit certain beats. But at the same time, the storytelling throughout 20 movies, the, the way that they are able to put plot threads throughout that many films and have it make sense is an achievement of film and cinema. In my opinion, yeah, and I think in the it's also, the it is, it's group. also the
1: comic book world. It's also how comics go. So like you're, you know, I understand if you're just not a fan of comic book stories, but you can't say that comic book stories are not real stories.
0: I mean, I wonder what he would think of something like Watchmen, like a story like, that, Oh my God, that one right there. A- that's like
1: one of the most perfect examples of like one of the most perfect early examples of, comic book films and superhero films i don't even want to call them superhero films they're like comic book films okay? somebody
0: needs to just handle of a, a comic. comic maybe not yeah, not just maybe. make him watch these movies maybe he'll make perfect movie. yeah imagine he picks up a, like something like Watchmen and he watches the the Zack snyder film and he's like i could do that better and we get like martin scorsese's Watchmen. oh my lord Here's two more peeps that that we enjoy, actually, that come out in defense of Mr. Marty Scorsese. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott is a very, very popular director that we've enjoyed. Uh, According to him, when asked if he would ever take on a superhero property, the Blade Runner director, excuse me, the Blade Runner director told Digital Spy that he wants to keep making smart films instead. Superhero movies are not my kind of thing. That's not why I've never really done one, he said. I've been asked several times, but I can't believe in the thin gossamer tightrope of the non-reality of the situation of the superhero, which Watchmen tackles. I'll say that. Uh, that's okay. not what at least Scott said. I'll say that. And David Cronenberg, who's a very, very the popular non-reality of the superhero. So then what's Blade Runner? I mean, right? Isn't, aren't all films supposed to be non-reality? Yeah. I digress because we're going to try to wrap up this conversation uh, again you guys you, I mean, the whole, the you're whole making me hate some thing. of my favorite
1: you're making me hate some of my favorite directors
0: I'm not trying to do that but I just want to give everybody's perspective man and I don't want, I don't want everybody to just hate Marty Scorsese too because there's some other people who came out in defense of his vile comments you want to call it despicable Francis Ford Coppola I call Marty Scorsese's comments vile but I'll leave it at that. And then we'll leave it with David Cronenberg who said a superhero movie by definition, you know, it's comic book. It's for kids. It's adolescent in it's core. That has always been its appeal. And I think people who are saying that dark Knight rises is, you know, Supreme cinema art. I don't think they know what the F they're talking about. I think it's still Batman running around in a stupid Cape. Christopher Nolan's best movie is memento. And that is an interesting movie. I don't think his Batman movies are half as interesting Though they're twenty million times the expense. What he is doing is some very interesting technical stuff, which you know, he's shooting IMAX and in 3D. That's really tricky and difficult to do. I read about it in American Cinematography magazine, and technically that's all very interesting. The movies to me, they're mostly boring. So that's David Cronenberg's take. Because they're just for kids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll rebut obviously Watchmen again stuff like The Walking Dead, stuff like Invincible, but also the the fact that somebody is shooting at IMAX and in 3D, it's a new technology that's actually pretty awesome. And mm-hmm. you know what, that is filmmaking. It's very interesting when we watch certain films in IMAX. And some of these people need to explain to them, them that
1: comic books, if somebody needs to explain to them that comic books aren't just for children. And the comic books are, if you want to talk about smart anything, read X-Men and the fact that like it's a comic book series that's meant to start and enhance the dialogue against uh you know uh, any kind of phobias in society
0: it's, it's always Homophobia, like,
1: transphobia all that stuff it's about it's societal very, acceptance
0: but no this is just for kids it's I mean it's topical stuff like X-Men is usually topical right because yeah it's I, think, I think that they think they're they're comparing
1: effects. they're comparing the superhero genre
0: to Archie comics. The golden age of superheroes, I think, is where they're stuck. Because when they were kids, sure, like, Superman wasn't really yeah, tackling sure, life, you know? social problems, maybe a little bit, maybe like some Nazis or something like that. Right, absolutely. It was mostly like for the war you effort know? or propaganda. Yeah, they it's probably never read about, like,
1: Batman, you know, like, walking a tightrope between madness and almost killing the Joker, you know, and having to, like, deal with that mental struggle himself.
0: Yeah. So I hope maybe somebody needs to put a comic in front of all these gentlemen. Yeah. These older gentlemen, in most cases, it's probably semi-generational, but comic books are awesome. If y'all had just hung out with Stan Lee a couple of times and listened to the man speak or Jack Kirby, like, you know, some of these greats who created these incredible characters, maybe y'all would have a different perspective, but I guess that's how y'all feel right now. And we can't do anything about that, so we're going to keep supporting Marvel. We want to definitely check out the the Shang Chi film and the Eternals film, and we want to support Delhi Vill- Villeneuve, even though he's mad about Marvel movies by watching your film in theaters as well, which is going to be a spectacle. So take that, Denny Villeneuve. We love you. <laughs> and we hate you right now. With that note, I think it's time to wrap this episode up. I think we had a really, really good conversation. We talked for over an hour, and we gave some great opinions, and we talked about some other people's opinions on Marvel as spectacle. Are Marvel movies a theme park? We don't think so. Marty Marty Scorsese does. And y'all, we're excited to go back to the theaters. Get Geekers out there. Let us know what y'all think. Are you going back to see a specific movie in theaters? Are y'all just going back to theaters to watch films again? Are you excited about that now that you're hopefully vaccinated or wearing a mask and being responsible? Let us know. Hit us up in the DMs. Slide into our DMs at Get Geek Podcast and elsewhere. And as our last quick reminder... That is one of the best ways, of course, that you can support your favorite podcast by giving us feedback, either on our DMs, put comments on our social media, at Get Podcast, anywhere you can find us on social media, and like, rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Comment on Apple Podcasts. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to support your favorite podcast crew. Um, and with that, I guess that's, again, all there is to say today, other than... Well, stay geeky, my friends. (laughs) Peace peace out to y'all.